Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. This episode of Bridgerton with Mary and Blake is brought to you by MinuteWithMary.com. And at Minute with Mary, I share all sorts of things, makeup and skincare related. And this month, the month of January 2021, I'm ringing it in with my best deal yet. It is $423 worth of products for just $99. A smattering of my skincare, including my amazing eye cream, as well as some eyeshadows and all of my lash products. I'm doing it because I want to make sure that you treat yourself, that you set yourself up for all sorts of fun and creativity and success in 2021. I actually don't make a dime off of this deal. You can ask Blake. Yeah, wonders why I'm doing it, but <laughs> I just want to treat you. So it's $423 worth of product for just $99. I'm telling you, it is beyond worth it. Say it with me now. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. So for more information, you can learn by going to minutewithmary.com slash discount. You must know if we were to wed, I can never give you children. It is your dream to be a mother, is it not? To have a household full of love and laughter like the one you have known all your life. You deserve nothing less. You deserve everything your heart desires. But I cannot provide it for you. Nor could I ever ask such a sacrifice. Please, Daphne, for your own sake. You must stand aside. And let your brother finish this. We must resume before someone should find us. There will be no need to resume. The Duke and I are to be married. From Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Bridgerton with Mary and Blake. It's a podcast dedicated to Bridgerton on Netflix. So sit back, relax, and let's get ready to spill the tea. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. My name is Mary Larson. My name is Blake, and I thank all the gods that I have watched Hamilton. And seen it and listened to it. Yes. And just know all the pertinent pop culture things there is mm-hmm. to know about dueling. <laughs> the Ten Duel Commandments. Seriously, if you are a Hamilton fan and you are not singing that number one while <laughs> Anthony and Simon had their seconds and they were checking the guns and they had the doctor there who mm-hmm. was bribed, like they literally made that scene for Hamilton nerds. Oh, absolutely. I was actually looking to see the doctor if, if he turned his back. He did not. Did not turn his back for, uh, you know, 
deniability. Yes. Plausible deniability. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So once again, just a big high five to all Hamilton fans who saw that and knew exactly what was going on. All and if you, you nerds. have not watched Hamilton or not listened to the Hamilton soundtrack, you need to get with the program first and foremost. Just yes. just listen to the soundtrack a few Here times. Comes the Washington. Yes. There you go. I got you. Hamilton is available up on Disney+. Plus. Yes. So do yourself a favor. Listen to the soundtrack one or two times and then enjoy the recorded version. And then our podcast about it. Yes. At jointhenerdclan.com. Right. <laughs> so before we jump into this episode, Blake and I would love to remind you that Bridgerton is now available up on on all the main podcasts. iHeartRadio, mm-hmm. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and pretty much any podcast catcher of your choice. And one of the biggest things that you can do for us right now is to leave us a written review inside iTunes. So even if you listen on Stitcher or iHeartRadio, you can take a moment to go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts yes, Apple and Podcast. leave us <laughs> oh, I'm so old school. And leave us a written review. Five stars is most preferable. Thank you very much. Yes. But um, when you leave us a written review, it gives people more context as to why they should listen to this podcast. And right now, we're holding true. We're actually at spot number one yeah, in I iTunes for Bridgerton. Just about to say in Apple Podcasts, we are the number one Bridgerton podcast in the world. As a matter of fact, for all of the TV podcasts right now, we are ranked 20 in Br- the world. Yeah, thank you. Bridgerton. Thank you. So keep so it up. You guys are making this all Seriously. happen. Seriously. <laughs> thank you. Thank it's you. It's incredible. Thank you so much for that. And of course, go to maryandblake.com. dot com. Check out all the other podcasts that we have while we're there, including This Is Us, Outlander Cast, uh, the Potterverse, um, mm-hmm. everything else that we got going on there. It is all there. So check that out. And of course, if you don't want to leave a review at Apple Podcasts, that's okay. Leave one on uh, on Facebook. Yeah, at the Mary and Blake page. Uh, just let we just got one in today, as a matter of fact. So that reminds me about all of this. All right, Marvin, are you ready to get into this uh, show? Ooh, this dynamic episode. Yes, let's get it done, shall we? Yes. Well, this episode was entitled. An affair of honor, honor, which is a lot of different things that are, I think are happening within this episode. Of course, the, the number one thing is the duel. That mm-hmm. it's, it is an affair of honor uh, of the Bridgerton family against the Duke of Hastings. But there's also a couple of other things that are happening here, too. Uh, Anthony is is questioning his honor and his, his role in the family should he succeed in mm-hmm. this duel. And he is trying to honor his original promise to... Um, oh, what's her name? The Soprano. Uh, yeah. Oh, gosh. What's her name now? Uh, I want to call her Sylvie, that, but that's no, not that's, it. No, that's definitely not it. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. It'll come back to us, I, but I The know. Soprano. The singer. Yes. The, the opera singer. Yes. I will I will definitely get it. I, I will remember. Anyway, uh, and there, there's also this other thing, too, with the Featheringtons. The father mm-hmm. has gambled away all of his money, and it's a matter of honor that he go he back no and- no longer has like a dowry for his girls. He has nothing. That's so crazy. Yes, he has nothing. So. Oh, my goodness. Loads of honor and- and wee bits of affairs sprinkled yes. on in, which makes it all so dicey. I agree. Um, and we, of course, get into the director, who is Cherie Folkson. Yes. I've lost my... my. It's okay. My, my mouse again. Yeah. What are we doing here? Oh, my goodness. Okay. 
uh, Sheree Folkson. Let's see. Uh, yes, she has directed uh, Penny Dreadful, City of Angels, the, the latest edition of Penny Dreadful. By the way, I watched the first season of Penny Dreadful. Very good. Second one, not so much. The She's also directed American Horror Story uh, in that show that was created for 12 Monkeys. And also a personal favorite, uh, The Tick. And, uh, and a couple wow. of episodes of uh, Doctor Who. Okay, so, nice. Uh, the writer was Abby McDonald. Uh, she, it, this is actually her first credit, Abby McDonald, her first well done, Abby. written credit. Well done. Um, and, uh, she's actually has been a staff writer for the Bridgerton, the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was a staff writer on the diamond of the first water and shock and delight. So what exactly is a staff writer, right? Um, a staff writer is someone who it's like an entry, not an entry level, but it's pretty close. Like you have writer's assistants and then you have uh, the staff assistants. And then like the next level up is the staff writer before okay. you're considered a producer or a co-producer. You have the or, JV team. Like you're still playing. Yeah. You still wear the uniform. Yeah. You've probably been writing now for about like a couple of years. Yeah. And you, you've, you've gotten yourself hooked up to a show mm-hmm. and you're there and what you're what you're trying to do is you're just trying to help the the co-producers and the associate producers and the real writers of the show the people that get the credits uh, you're trying to help them break story you're trying to uh, understand yeah understand the direction and you're also um there to hone in like key story or character elements to each particular script. You're you're not actually assigned as a writer. You're not like getting credit for Mm -hmm. it, but you're there to help all the other writers who are doing the job that they're, you know, they're tasked to do. So you're there helping supplement and you're throwing ideas out. You're all in a writer's room together and you're like, okay, here's an idea. Uh, If you're called upon. (laughs) Uh, And this is how you, um, Enter into the business. Um, at least that's the way that it is mm-hmm. at this moment. Uh, I Before we get into our cups of tea, Marvin, yes. I have to say this. I was greatly upset uh, that we haven't been calling out the music in uh, the, in like the last couple of episodes, like we we have a couple of times, but I I want to establish just a specific um, segment just to all the uses of music in the okay. show. And the reason why I want to do that is because it reminds me of the Umbrella Academy. Mm-hmm. Like the music is just as much of part of the storytelling as the writing, yes. or as the direction, or as the lighting. Absolutely, and that's by design, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like all the elements combined, right? Uh, they're there, and it's 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 helping tell a story uh, with regular pop music. And I bring up the Umbrella Academy because in the last episode, by the way, I'm wearing my Team Zero shirt just for everybody uh, <laughs> who's, who's watching yes. uh, live right now. Uh, I bring it up because the last episode, they used uh, the song Bad Guy from Billie Eilish. Um which was also used in the Umbrella Academy, and it was during the first ball scene when when uh, the Duke of Hastings and Daphne uh, oh, wow. walk into the ball. Yeah, and everybody's talking about them and everything. Yeah. Oh, and everyone was calling her a commoner, and so cool, right? Interesting. And uh, I I just thought that was awesome. I love that song. The first scene in this episode? Uh, no, the last episode. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I just want to call that out, and I think we're going to develop a a whole segment just dedicated to the music I can, I of can dig each it. episode. All right, so your cups of tea uh, rating, Marvin, what do you got? All right, so to kick things off, I'm actually giving this episode a five. 
I loved this episode. I um, am starting to enjoy some characters more, <coughs> Anthony. Um, people that I didn't necessarily enjoy that much. I really had a blast with Lady Bridgerton. Goodness gracious, just getting all sorts of tipsy inside yeah. oh, this episode. Yeah. The discussions that people had, the snooping that Eloise is doing, the... Just, uh, I was pleasantly surprised by some people, the prince included. It was just, they packed a lot into this episode. You know, of course, during the rewatch, I was just taking all these notes. Um, I'm impressed. I'm very impressed by this episode. So Mm -hmm. a solid five for me. Uh, For me, I'm giving it a four, four, uh, which is quite good for me. And I like it because the episode was well paced. It kept moving. And there's, and I say that not because like, I feel like anytime anybody says, Oh, it's paced weird. It's like, they're just kind of making it up. Like they really don't know what they're saying. Um, But I say that in a sense that there was a lot of stuff happening in this episode. There's a lot of things going on and it was, and by paste, I mean also edited. It was edited well so that it all flowed properly and it kept all the plates going while drawing up an emotional stakes for both, uh, Daphne and Simon mm-hmm. uh, by the by the end of the episode and, and and Daphne having to make an actual choice. Um, now the reason behind that choice I think is debatable, um, but we'll get there when we get there. So uh, what do you have for your your GBG, Marvin? You're My good. good. You're bad, and you're great. My good is the Tinduk man. <laughs> you know, ever since listening to him, Washington. I am more and more intrigued by dueling situations. It's not that I want to see them. It's not that I'm glad that they happened, but it's just that I understand them a little bit more. You know, um, Lin-Manuel Miranda, when he was writing it, he too had, he read the whole book about the the dual command. Yeah. So it's just been able to give, you know, viewers of television like myself and like those of you listening a bit more context. So I don't know. I just, as I said, I enjoyed the dueling scene a lot more than I would have say a few years ago before I had heard Hamilton and understood duels a bit more. My bad was I just feel so badly for Penelope. She of course has just become such a sweet character that we love and we've seen her just act out of kindness and be a kind friend to Eloise and Marion. And to know that she has this, this desire to be with Colin or to kind of keep Colin out of the picture so that he's not bamboozled into a pregnancy. And really what it, what it seems to be is heartbreak knowing that Colin may be off the table. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just feel so terribly for her. And as she's going through this, you know, just being bothered kind of by Eloise where it's like, there are real life issues going on, girlfriend. We do not have time to be talking about Miss, Miss Whistledown anymore. Sure, yeah. And then my great was actually the talk with Daphne's mom, Lady Bridgerton and Daphne. You know, Daphne has been having this ruse this whole entire time with she and Simon and have been lying to everybody. Yeah. And Daphne's mom... Lady Bridgerton, she's known... What's her name? Is it Violet? Yes, Violet. Um, She has seen how attracted Simon and Daphne are. Not just, you know, the physical aspect, but the fact that they are friends. So even when Daphne gets the proposal through Antony um, about the prince, how the prince has asked for her hand... It's Violet who speaks up and says, you don't have to make a decision right now because yeah. she knows where her daughter's heart is. So it's just very endearing to see... You know, 
Lady Bridgerton, knowing that her daughter's heart is elsewhere, and then Daphne opening up about the honesty of their relationship, and just her supporting her daughter throughout this entire episode really warmed my heart. Yep, yep. Uh, For me, the good is the prince, Prince Friedrich. Oh, yes. Uh, You know, he's there, and he's doing his thing, and... He's a genuinely good person. He's pretty much a Disney prince. He uh, he is. And we said that last episode. And I remember last episode saying, listen, there has to be a real choice here. There has to be. He can't be smarmy. He can't be dinkish. He can't be Which like. Which Disney prince would you think he's most like? Uh, Charming. Really? Yeah, I would say charming. Okay. Yep. He's just the blonde hair and the whole thing. And he's just. I don't think he's blonde. Oh, he's not? Wait, who's no, the blonde you're saying one? The di- that you're saying Cinderella's. Prince. Yeah, 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 yeah. That guy. That okay. that, that jabroni. He, then there's Prince him. Philip from Sleeping Beauty, who actually like fights a dragon. He's yeah, he, actually, no, I don't think. Friedrich and then would there's do that. Eric, Prince Eric from Little Mermaid, who's pretty cool yeah. until he's another broad, and then he's like, "Never mind, I marry you." Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, Vanessa. He, he's into Vanessa, and then I mean, all of a sudden, he is bewitched. Yeah, but still, you know, if true love is really there, you're not going to get bewitched. And then there's the the Beast. Yeah, no, no. No. Nope. Yeah, you're right. Prince nope. Charming from Cinderella. Yeah, Prince. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I, okay, I think he's that guy. Uh, but I, ultimately, <laughs> it really comes down to the fact that Daphne and the, the the Prince Friedrich are a real option. It's like a real choice yes. here. Uh, it's just that there's no passion. You know, it's it's a perfectly great match, as they say in the episode. He wants to have kids. He, yeah. He wants to live in London. Yeah, he, he wants to be, you know, he wants to give the country. He wants to do all the stuff yes. that she wants to do when everything just seems to be perfect. I, I still have reservations about Friedrich, but at least I know that he's not out there being like Lord uh, Lord Farquaad. Uh, yeah, but, uh, Lord, Lord Farquaad. Like, he's not like the worst. Yes, no. Um. There's no real choice in Shrek, right? It's of course it's going to be Shrek, uh, and and even though of course it's going to be Simon in this episode, at least there's some differences there. Though I will say my bad is also about Prince Friedrich. Oh my gosh, this it's poor like, guy can't catch a break. Come on, bro, you're what? trying to propose during a dance when people are switching partners. Oh yeah, he like, didn't. You got no better than that. that out well. Like, come on, what are we doing here? Like, yeah. get your get your stuff together. And he always looked surprised when she would have to switch partners. And it's like, this is the dance. Everyone else obviously is switching (laughs) partners at the same exact moment. (laughs) Did Friedrich not know this dance that well? Or is he just poor planning? Come on, what are we doing, man? Like, you should know, you should know better. I mean, who do you think you are, (laughs) me? (laughs) With a bad proposal? Yes. (laughs) That's a story, ladies and gentlemen, Mm -hmm. that we will tell at another time. (sighs) And my great, of course, once again happens to do with... Prince Friedrich. Look at you. Yeah, I, it's like I'm all over the place with the guy. He may have to be your shirt. Uh, he might. He might. He might get a pity shirt. I'll just throw that out there. He'll be a pity shirt. Um, I I say that not necessarily because of him, but I love camera trickery. Okay. I love stuff like this when he is putting the necklace on. Daphne oh, is yes. is imagining yes. that it is Simon and Simon is not in, you know, focus in the frame. He's like out of focus. Mm-hmm. It's the, the, everything is about Daphne at that moment. And it's a great visual way to tell you exactly what she's thinking. Agreed. Without having a, a voiceover or without having just to say, I wish this was Simon. Yeah. Like she doesn't have to whisper it or anything. It's just, that is right there. And again, uh, Mary and Blake commandment show don't, Hell. So 
that is that. That is my good, my bad, and my great. And for the music in this episode, uh, we actually have a, two songs that are uh, used pretty predominantly in this episode. Do tell. Uh, the first one comes uh, from the piano sonata, number 13 in B-flat from Mozart. And it's uh, when the Bridgertons are in the drawing room and Daphne plays the piano while they discuss the uh, the boxing match that's oh, about okay, to happen. Yes. Uh, Anthony arrives and informs the family that Prince Friedrich wants to propose to Daphne at that moment. At the moment, and uh, the next one comes from Sastakovich, the jazz suite number two, the waltz. Uh, it starts at the beginning of Lady Trowbridge's ball. That's the the, the ball in which she finally dances. Yes, with, uh, with Lady uh, Trowbridge. With a little baby whose husband just died. Right, I Didn't know. Did they say that he was an earl? That the oh, earl just died? I don't know. And that she's very fortunate and that he looks just like the hand servant or whatever? Yeah. I, Interesting. That's, yeah, that's right. That's right. He looks like the hand servant. That's yeah. right. So it's a little bit of a mystery there. Maybe Lady Whistledown will get in on that. I feel like that's about what what's going to happen. <laughs> so, uh, Marvin, what what how, what stands out from for you in this episode? What are the things that you want to chat about? I mean, do we want to get to the the meat of this? Do we want to get to the Daphne and Simon, or do we want to kind of sink our teeth in the potatoes and the green beans? Uh, well, you know what? Actually, I think um, an underappreciated facet of this episode yeah. is that the inclusiveness of the cast is actually explained within story. Okay. There's a reason for it. There is... I don't know how I feel about it. Um, it depends. Well, are you tell, so, tell so me... So Simon, Simon's having right a talk with that. Lady Danbury and he's saying, I'm leaving, I'm leaving for London and she's like, shame on you and you were dating, you know, Daphne and you completely messed up. She would have totally been with you. You guys obviously got along well. I don't know how this happened after I raised you. You're making a bad choice and you're just going to go rake again all over the world. Mm-hmm. And you... Should not do this. We are very privileged to be where we are, and we need to keep this, uh, you know, upstanding for these titles that we have and for these abilities that we have. Saying, like, calling it out. I think I actually took the notes on it to mm-hmm. call it out exactly. Um, Lady Danbury says the queen and the king's marriage were two separate societies divided by color until the king fell in love with one of us. Love conquers all. Mm -hmm. So literally saying two separate societies divided by color until the king fell in love with one of us. Um, So exactly like you said, they're kind of calling out the people of color reference, acknowledging that this isn't necessarily the norm during this time and place to have mixed races and different colored skins being all different areas of rank in society uh you and i had mentioned this obviously in the first episode that we absolutely love it and i know that a lot of people are loving this in the show to see people of different nationalities and different skin tones be in all these different ranks be at these different balls and parties um so i was kind of shocked to have this acknowledged in this episode and i'm interested to see if this is it if this is what it is just the just saying you know this isn't hasn't been the norm but it is now, thanks to the king marrying the queen, and since the king married a person of color, we are able to have these ranks in society as right. well. All these which, benefits. Which kind of adds a bit of background to what the original Duke was saying to his son and trying right. to explain to him, like, we need to be excellent. 
we need to you know, hold on to this title. And it didn't necessarily always make sense. So I, I personally don't know how I feel about it, but it is an interesting I piece will, of this world. I will say that it it's an interesting piece of the world and it goes to show you that this is, you know, an alternate universe really like this is something yeah. it's it's oh, i mean that the queen queen charlotte is her name queen charlotte yes queen charlotte. she was in history she right. was black. oh yeah no and king george III and the whole thing yeah like he, yeah. he was really crazy and, and and it is what it is and and they're talking about uh, general wellington and uh how he's gone off and he's he's fighting in a war what and- i'm saying is i think i just don't want to be uncomfortable that this does become a race issue that we need to do this because we're, you know, we have a different color skin. Like I, I don't want this to be, um, it's, it's, it's interesting because Lady Danbury is the one that brings it up. And yet nobody saying the Bridgertons and nobody else in society has brought it up. So I'm interested to see like how new this is Mm -hmm. in this society because nobody else is talking about it. So it does feel like this is how things have been for quite some time. Um, and obviously Lady Danbury being of an older generation can recall what things may have been like. Mm -hmm. So I am, I'm just kind of interested to see how it plays out. Yeah. I, it's funny. It, um, I, I like that there is an in story explanation. Mm -hmm. Like, but also, I kind of liked the fact that there wasn't an in-story explanation. Uh, this, to me, somewhat reeks of someone getting nervous, you know, within within the show, like uh, in terms of the production of it, or maybe it was a note from Netflix, or like maybe maybe you should explain this a little bit so we we all have a clear understanding. Um, I don't know, I don't know, but. Well, but we'll have to see because it might be something that gets fleshed out a little bit later. Yeah, sure. Or it might not. So, and I- it does it does give it does give explanation further to what, as you said, Mary, uh, the Duke of Hastings' father says about like, hey, we have to keep going here, and maybe that this is something that does play out, mm-hmm. uh, not in that it's because of a race issue, but because these these titles are 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 based on merit. And if you don't do the right thing, you will lose your title. Yeah. And maybe that's why all of these conversations are 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 being had. Mm-hmm. But what I what I do like at the same time is that there is uh, an acknowledgement from the Duke of Hastings to Lady Danbury about how unsteady this whole process is. So yes, love does conquer all, and it is a beautiful little explanation of this pie in the sky idea that seems great, but really Simon sees the, the practicality of Mm. the situation. When he says the King may have chosen his queen, he may have elevated us from novelties in their eyes to now Dukes and royalty. And at that same whim, he may just as easily change his mind, a mind as we all know that is hanging on by one very loose and tenuous thread. So the fact that he is, it, it's, it's, it's a perfectly reasonable counterpoint to Lady Danbury. And I feel like this acknowledgement, this, this is a tacit, tacit acknowledgement of 
what may come, mm. where the story may be heading. What do you think about that? No, I agree. They're at least putting it there so that it is a plot point that they could maybe utilize at some point. They don't have to, but but the seed is there. Sure, sure. So uh, what else? Do you want to get into the meat of it now, or do you want to keep going with uh, potatoes? We'll, I mean, we'll uh, take potatoes care of a couple beans. more potatoes. Okay. Let's get with the fish, fishingtons, fish, featheringtons, yeah, featheringtons, fishing bones. Exactly. <laughs> so feathering, feathering bone, featherington. Oh goodness! We got to stop making up these names because I'm just going to be calling them all sorts of things. I know. Featherington, a girl. who obviously has gambled away all of his money, ruins Filipina's favorite cheese suitor yep. okay the poor sneezing cheese guy he, he reminded me this is a real deep cut right Tell here me. there is the book that is dedicated to princess jasmine's courtships with all of her different princes before aladdin yes and he reminded me of prince achu <laughs> the one who kept sneezing <laughs> that's all i could think of was prince uh, achu you can obviously tell that we have a daughter that we've read way too many princess books about um oh man that was choice. good stuff but yeah, I just felt so bad that here she is. She finally has a suitor who comes, who's pretty much perfect for her. And then she, he's just dismissed by the Baron. And finally, the Baroness figures out it's because he owes all this money that he probably can't even afford the wedding, the dowry, any of that kind of stuff. We also have the situation with Marion happening where she has decided to sweep Colin off of his feet, charm him, wow him. It, of course... Marina, not Marion. Marina. (laughs) You are bad with names today, huh? I'm bad with everybody's names. Yeah, that's true. Marina. Um... It bothers Penelope, obviously. And... There's more to come from that, I tell you. What interests me is the conversation that the Baron has with his wife where she says, remind me again why we can't just send her back. Right, right. And he says, like, no, this is a done deal. Mm -hmm. Don't ask me any more questions about that. So we know that there's something. Like, is he getting money from his cousin? No. The way that I took it and the way that it is brought up, I think, later on is when he admits to everything um, that he has taken Marina on as a way to pay his debt. To his brother or his cousin or whatever. Yeah, like, do they give money or is it just like feed my daughter and get her a husband? Yeah, no, no. It's elevate my daughter to get her a husband. It's like it's again, it's it's it, the way to pay the debt to her father. It's, it's crazy. I'll take her on and I'll get her married. Yeah, and she'll get a dowry and that will pay off everything that you know. I how will she get a dowry? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I she'll just get married and elevated. No, she'll get married. She'll get elevated, and then she'll she'll come into money because okay. of her husband potentially. Oh my goodness gracious! She's technically the one that has supposed to give a dowry. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, but we all know that the Featheringtons don't have money. Yeah, and and they they can't do anything. They, and and it, it kind of explains uh, Lord Featherington's um, crabbiness, crabbiness, and also his his general being of like uh, of aloof you know mm-hmm. like he's always looking at his paper and i and you wonder why he's look is he looking for the next thing is he looking for the next scheme yeah the next match to gamble on right. or something and and that goes to show you too that when he's like yeah yeah, yeah i'll get you your money i'll get mm-hmm. you your money that when he lost the gambling match that right there shows you oh yeah this is more than just oh yeah i'll get you the money it, it there there's a lot more happening here mm-hmm. uh and what did you think about the breakdown scene when he just started bawling and he just started like all set with that? Like because I know as a married couple you do have those moments, but it 
like Polly Walker's face as he's bawling in her arms. She's like, uh, uh, okay. It was perfect. Uh, it was great. Because was- here has been an aloof man, a man that seems like he hasn't cared about anything. Lord knows how many years it's, he's been like that. Sure, yeah. You know, just trying to hold up this facade that he is okay when he has just squandered his entire family fortune. Yep. Goodness gracious. Yep. Speaking about a fortune, a fortune goes down between the boxing match. Yeah. And we have the Duke who wants to leave for London and he speaks with his friend and his friend says, you can't leave yet. Because I got a family to feed. I've got all these kids. I've got my wife. Like, yeah. you need to show up to this match because when you come, other elevated members of society come and they bet a lot of money. Th- this was something I genuinely worried about. Uh, how are they going to keep Simon in the picture? How are they going to keep him from leaving, right? Mm. Was it going to be the look at the painting that's going to prevent him from leading, leaving? Which is so good that like, he still had it brought home and forgot. Right. Um was it going to be that? And what, was that going to be the thing that changes his mind? Maybe. I don't know. But this was a real organic way to have him stay there and have it also work within the confines of the rest of the story. Uh, be, having Daphne being escorted by her brother in, to meet Prince Friedrich, who has brought this boxer along to fight against uh, uh, Simon's you know, Simon's buddy, Will. Uh, It all kind of ties together and it seems to be a fair reason to keep Simon there. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. And then, as you said, it just kind of keeps watering the desire to still be with Daphne, whether it's the painting and then it reminds him of the hands touching and how deep Daphne got when she talked about that painting. Right. Then seeing her at the boxing match with the prince and getting all flustered and she getting flustered as well. And then having the final talk with Lady Danbury where she lays it out like, I know you guys have something. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is quite special. You know, all those three things combined, plus the talk that he that Simon has with Will, you know, really kind of sinks in where he does go and he shows up to that final ball. Yeah. So before we get to that final ball, of course, we need to spend a little bit more time with these extra potatoes and green beans people. Uh, Lady, <laughs> Lady Bridgerton. Potatoes and green beans. Lady Bridgerton is down to party. Oh, okay? she is ready to go. Man. She is like, I am almost done marrying off my oldest daughter after that. It's going to be a piece of cake. Yep. And by a piece of cake, I mean I'm going to eat the queen's cake. <laughs> and then... Um, because I'm, she would technically be related to the queen at that point. Yeah. Because Prince Friedrich is the nephew of the queen. That's why she was like, I don't care. I'm going to eat this cake before the queen's in the room. Mm, whatever, it's, it's fine. fine. Be quiet, Daphne. No one's going to look at me. <laughs> no one's paying attention to me. I'm They're all looking at you. I'm everything and drink everything because nobody is looking at me anymore. <laughs> Thank God. You just dance and wear pretty things. Bye. Oh, I'm hungry. I, I love when she takes that drink off the tray and she just downs the whole thing straight out. Just drinking <laughs> all night. Drinking all night. God bless her. Because you you know that she's like, I've done my job. Mm-hmm. I at least warned my daughter she could marry for love or she could marry a prince. Either way, cool. Mm-hmm. We're good. I spoke to my son to stop sleeping around. He's not listening. Oh my gosh, that's the other thing. When she brings over an, a lady to meet Anthony yep. and she sees Anthony looking at the singer. Once again, I want to call her Sierra, but it's not. Sienna? Sienna. It's Sienna. Okay. That's what it is. Sorry. Um, and Thank you. She, it's okay. You're welcome. And she sees him and that's when she just goes and gets another drink. She's just like, oh, okay. my kids, my kids just can't listen. What are we doing? <laughs> I'm just going to enjoy myself tonight. Um, I, I like how they built up to this moment for Daphne, by the way. 
she sees him at the box. She sees Simon at the at the mm-hmm. boxing match, and uh, she sees him rolling up his sleeves, and you could see her just like Ooh. having more having more personal dreams. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and they built up to this to this idea that she has this um notion a- about her caring of Simon, but still having this pressure of Prince Friedrich and, all the, uh, and the whole gamut of her walking mm-hmm. in. And not only that, the queen is talking about this engagement. Like it's, that's it. That's a done oh, deal. Yeah. I mean, give her the necklace and we're done. And that sets up a great natural pressure for the story. <laughs> okay, we're, we're heading in this, in this yes. direction. What is going to be the thing that derails it? You know, what will be the thing that pushes it into a different direction to push Simon and Daphne together? Well, we of course then have that ball. We have the ball and Daphne runs outside because the prince is about to propose. Simon obviously just showed up. And, and she puts the, he puts the necklace on her and she's like pulling. No, she, yeah, she, she'd had the necklace put on at home. The necklace was given to her at the oh, beginning yeah, when right. she Sorry. went to yep. see the queen. You're right, you're right. And so she was wearing this necklace to this ball knowing she was getting proposed to. Uh, takes the necklace off. By the way, we never see her pick up that necklace when she leaves. Oh, no. I don't know where that necklace is, but let me tell you... <laughs> Mary would be. I would be all over it. We actually had an experience like that. We used to live on a very busy clubbing restaurant street before we had kids. Before, like, right before we got married, and then while we were early married, it was it was really fun to live on. But basically, members of pretty much the cast of Jersey Shore, probably actually the cast of Jersey Shore, because one of them actually is from Rhode Island, would come and frequent the clubs and stuff. And late at night, if I heard them hollering and hootering as they got out of the clubs, as you could tell, I really went there as I say hollering and hootering. I don't even know what I'm saying. And that's not even like that's words that people use at a club. Anyway, so there was this one night in particular where I heard a woman say, oh, my God. Stop fighting! I lost my diamond earring! <laughs> and I got on my binoculars. <laughs> and I saw this scouring. party of six, like, fighting and tousling outside. And I was like, Blake, tomorrow morning I know exactly where to go. She said she lost a diamond earring. I did not find an earring there the next day. And... Oh, well, the rest is history. She but nonetheless, there if there was a knees. necklace <laughs> out on the... How could someone not see that? Someone's going to see that necklace and they're all going to know whose it was. It's a very unique necklace. So, of course, Simon and Daphne go into the garden. She should know better after being in the garden with Burbage. Right. But she just runs into the garden and then Simon kisses her and she kisses him back. And then Simon just goes all in. He grabs butt. He grabs boobs. He's like pretty much giving her hickeys. Like she, mind you, she's never kissed someone before. And he's just going all in. (laughs) He pushed all the chips in the middle of the table. Let me touch this. Let me touch that. And she's obviously (laughs) down. And then Anthony comes in. Yeah. And he sees this whole thing go down. Knocks Um, him out. And uh, yeah, gives him the business. Says that's it, man. Or it's ten, ten dual, dual commandments. commandments. <laughs> but, but that's it. Um, before we get into that, though, Lady Cowper uh, is there, and she mentions as you know the as as Daphne is brought into the who's the, Lady Cowper? Uh, the one that was supposed to be with Prince Friedrich until oh, the Daphne one with shows all the up. hair. Yeah, all the hair. Um, the blonde with all the hair. Yes, she says. Oh, you know, I, what happened out there in the garden? You know, which implies that she knows what happened. But 
Does she really? That's the real question, Mary. Does, does Lady Calpert really know, or is she just assuming? And should Daphne and the Bridgerton clan and the Duke of Hastings really worry about this? That's the real question. That is a great question because, of course, you know, that's what wakes Daphne up in the middle of the night. She probably hadn't even really fallen asleep because everything happened so quickly. Mm -hmm. And that's what she goes and she tells Simon. She says, listen, this girl saw us. We have to get married. Like, there is no end to this. This will literally ruin me and the rest of my family if she comes out and she says that she saw you grabbing my booty and boobs Mm -hmm. in the garden. Yeah. Um, But you're right. Because so on the on the rewatch. The terrace is quite far away from the garden. Yeah, and it's in a maze of yeah. where they are. Yeah, I mean, if that girl even went out there, you know you know what? She probably picked up the necklace. She was probably like, that boy is mine. I'm going to sing some brandy. That boy <laughs> is mine. And I'm going to take this necklace. And I'm just going to imagine what. Because maybe she, she didn't. She, what could have happened is no matter what, she could have followed Daphne out there onto the terrace and then Daphne wasn't there in the terrace anymore, knowing that Daphne was in the garden. Does right. that mean that she got to see the makeout session happen? Probably not. But if she did go out onto the terrace, she would have realized that Daphne was no longer on the terrace. Would it have been enough to create a con- a, the enough? kind... <laughs> yeah, look at you! Good job! <laughs> uh, to create a controversy... To ruin the Bridgertons and the Duke of Hastings, if if she just talked like, oh, they were out there and got. Well, that's the thing. It's like it's your word against mine. Someone could obviously been like, no, I was not in the garden. I want to go take a pee. I don't know. (laughs) Daphne Bridgerton would not be taking a pee outside on the terrace. But I agree. I think that it could have easily been her word against mine. I can just go back and you say yes to the prince, and all will be done. Yeah, because at by that point, you know. Perhaps, you know, the fact that the matter is, I could say yes to the prince. And- yeah, it's not like she had a cell phone and snapped a picture. Right, exactly. It could be like, obviously, the blonde braided girl is completely jealous and is making up a, a lie because she wishes that she was marrying the prince. So Daphne, I think, is overreacting. Granted. Granted. She wants the Duke. So yeah. she's probably there being like, oh my gosh, this is the perfect reason. Yep. I can say all of this because it could possibly be true blonde braid lady can possibly ruin my life Mm -hmm. and the easiest way to not worry about that scenario and to not worry about simon dying because simon was going to shoot up in the sky yes you know anthony was going to throw away his shot yes (laughs) oh hamilton just doesn't washington so Um, many great hamilton references today simon wants to die you know simon's prepared at least to die and um, she knows she's going to lose Simon. She could possibly have some issues with the braided blonde. Just marry me, Simon. And I yeah. love how she, he's saying all this stuff to her, saying, I can't marry you. I can't give you the life that you want. I'm not going to marry you. And then she ends up deciding, no, we are getting married, which shocks everybody. But it's also her way of pretty much telling Simon, like, fine, right. fine. Right. Because this is not... in. in this- they even say it too. Like, this isn't about you anymore. This is not about me. This is about your family. This is about my family. This mm-hmm. is about my brothers. And in contrast to all of this is, is Benedict. He meets uh, Sir Granville at like this party. You know, art party. An art party with people, the boobs yeah. hanging out hey. and, and all of the stuff. That's how it is, man. I know. It, I was joking with Blake. I said, oh, this reminds me of my college years. 
because I was a music major and we always hung out with the art, right. art students. It, it, right. And think of that, though. Like, if, if Anthony does die, right, now it falls upon Benedict, who wants to be an artist, who wants – and uh, Granville even says it. It's the, it's the benefit of being the second born. Yes. You know, you can do all the things that you want to do. And if, and if it just happens to be that, then – Please let's let's go ahead and and do that, right? Uh, and 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 Bendik does what he wants to, but I, this whole process of the of the the duel, even though it may feel right, it is illegal. And if Simon dies, then Anthony, Anthony has to go be a away. Murderer. He has yes. to he has to pull an Aaron Burr and escape for a while. And if Anthony dies, then Simon's a mess. And now. Daphne is betrothed to Simon because of all this potentially, or you know, like there's yeah. there's a whole no matter mess. what there's no way to win during a duel. there's a whole mess and it it ruins his well I'm not sure if it ruins quite yet, but the fact of the matter is that Anthony says to Sienna, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna go and we're just gonna have our life together and." Before I go do this, can we just, you know, have a go? Like, can we have a bang? And then I'll come back and we'll run off together. I found the easy button to live the life that I want and not have to worry about taking care of the rest of the Bridgerton family. I'm actually going to go have a duel. I'm probably going to win because Simon is a schmuck. (laughs) And then you and I can just go escape somewhere. Yes. Great. So uh, do you genuinely believe Anthony when he's saying all these things? Yeah, I do. I think I do, too. I believe that at this current time, Anthony is kind of a schmuck. I do appreciate that he stood up for Daphne mm-hmm. and he decided to uphold her honor and do a duel. Yep. But a schmuck is not the word I want to say. I think that Anthony is immature and does not want to have the burden of being the eldest boy in the family. Yes. No, he definitely does not want that. And He wishes he was second born. Um, he wishes he could go to art parties and hook up. Which which kind of brings me to my next point with with him, Benedict. Benedict, who looks like he's forty. He does look like he's forty. He, again, he needs a lot of eye cream. Uh, he looks so Mary. old in this episode. Uh, he does, and, and he and he looks old, especially when he's compared with. Anthony, no, Anthony, Anthony, but also Sir Granville. Yes, like Granville. they look like pretty much like five years different. Yeah, if that. Yeah, and, and then he gets with Anthony, and Anthony's giving him his watch. Yes, right. And it's like Benedict still looks older. So, you know, Granville does this big speech about, hey, listen, when you're here, you're just gonna live your life. There are no rules. There there's nothing. Like we're just gonna do La what we want to Like, yeah, right? Like we're gonna we're gonna do what we wanna do. And the way that they're speak like the way that he is speaking to Benedict. You didn't I'm, pick up Lavi Boem, did you? No, I'm getting a sense of I'm getting a sense that could there be like a budding bromance like tryst happening here oh honey he's in an art home he can do whatever he wants he can touch whatever he wants i just look at whatever he wants i just don't think that granville is just a guy that is just going to be thrown away here. no granville is very sensual yeah that's what i'm getting at so maybe he has fondue I feel like he would totally have a fun do. He would thing. be all. He would always. I don't think he would be a chocolate fondue guy because I feel like chocolate fondue might be a little too kitschy. No. But he definitely wants all the different kinds of special cheeses for the fondue. I would also say he would does fondue on the nipples. <laughs> what? I don't know. Just. <gasps> 
That's what I'm thinking. I saw the nipples in the show. Yep. And I was like, I bet you he's down, man. He's definitely a wax guy. I, I, I'm positive that he's a wax guy. What's wax? He uses the hot wax as a, as a stimulant. Oh, like the candle yeah. thing? So, okay, yeah. all right. I think he's in on that. Okay, I, I'm all set with that guy. <laughs> um, oh my gosh, Eloise, thinking it was the help who's laid a whistle down. Because the help knows oh, everything yes, and she right. gossips and she goes into her, her bed and finds all the Lady Whistledown papers and accuses her. And my favorite was the lady, I forget her name, but the, the help. Oh, yeah, laughing, I'll, I'll look at it. I'll find it. Laughing hysterically at Eloise, being like, you actually think that a working class person who serves you would have enough time and energy <laughs> to spend time writing a gossip brag about you all. Yes. Like, she laughs so much. Like, you really think I have time to do that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm too busy working yeah. for you. What are oh, we talking about? Oh, my goodness. It was so great. You know, I think, I'm wondering how much of this show, Bridgerton as a whole. Mrs. Is, Wilson. That's there the you ladies, go. That's the lady's maid, Mrs. Wilson. Uh, you know, obviously, the. Mrs. Wilson is close with the Bridgerton family because you got to see how they were able to help Daphne and yes. didn't, with the Burbage stuff. I'm interested to see if we get to have Burbridge. more Burbage, whatever. <laughs> and once again, I don't care about these people's names half the time. Poor things. Uh, um, I will at one one point when I memorize them all. Yes. Um, but it kind of reminds me of Downton Abbey. Like, I want to see if we're going to get the above the house and below the house kind of people. And I don't yeah. need to have a lot of it. Obviously, there's a lot of Bridgertons <laughs> that we need to know. I still don't even know the littlest boy's name. Couldn't even tell you. Any of them. Like, I know as low as Colin. And that's and, it. And there's eight, right? Yes, there's eight. So there's Auntie, Anthony, Benedict, Benedict Colin, Colin, and then the boy that we don't know. And then there's Daphne and Eloise, Hyacinth. Yeah. And then the other two? Is there another child, or are the eight Bridgertons including the mom? I thought there were four boys and four girls. I don't I, I don't even know. I, the I, other one's <laughs> just, shipped off somewhere. Reminds me of Jenny from Outlander. Just 15 million kids just running around running somewhere. Running around. <laughs> um, so here we go. Daphne and Simon. They're going to get married. Yeah. Uh, I, I love how... Before we do that, I love how Anthony was like, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to shoot to wound. Get out of here, buddy. Even the doctor's like, yeah, you could be the best marksman in the world and you would not be able to just shoot to wound. And I I learned that again from Hamilton because those guns are not accurate. No. Even at that point, even in in the early 1800s, in the 19th century, definitely Still not accurate. You're just lucky. You're lucky wherever the wind blows. And the way that he's holding his hand and it's shaking and moving and like, get out of here, dude. You would have just willed it. Please just hit him in the toe. Yeah, right. Um, And and I find it, I do find it odd that Anthony was going to shoot at Simon. Simon. Like it was going to happen. And Simon was just holding his gun up again to throw away Once again, Anthony wants to go and have a great time with Sienna. That's true. He's like, this is my easy button. I get to uphold my sister's honor. That's a good point. She can go marry the prince. I can go run away and live the life I want to live. Mm-hmm. Easy button. Yep. Yep. Uh, I, I think a great theme for all of this uh, that is happening for the episode is uh, the the level of conflict. There is conflict throughout this entire episode, mm-hmm. whether it and how that conflict uh, shapes our relationships. Uh, how, you know, you, you're looking at the boxing match. 
there's a level of conflict there, uh, whether it is uh, of Simon and uh, in Daphne, or it is uh, the uh, Lord Featherington uh, and how he's losing money and he's losing the bets and he's got to figure that out. And he's, he's and then he has the conflict with his wife about how he's lost all the money. Uh, Anthony is in conflict with Sienna. And eventually they, they make that up. Uh, there's even conflict, of course, within the ball itself. Uh, this, um, it's not a violent conflict, but it's one that is, uh, emotionally, emotionally violent, whether it is, uh, Simon and Daphne and how he has made his move and he's done this thing and says, I can't marry you. Sorry. Uh, and there is this fight between Simon and, and, and Anthony at the same time. And that eventually, uh, lands itself within the duel itself. We have these three major conflicts that are, that are the framework for this episode. And it happens. It, 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 it's not by coincidence that each of these things happen at certain points. It's not a coincidence that the boxing match happens in the middle of the episode. It's not a coincidence that the ball happens at the end. It's not a coincidence that all of these things are happening all at once. And they all happen within the the middle episode of this entire series we're, we're in the we're in the middle of it we're here episode four this is the big changing turning mm-hmm. event um for for um for the show for, for the show season one and and there we are and these conflicts are coming to a head finally Love by it. the end of this episode so it's it's a it's and and, and it's it's good writing but it's also great directing because the camera in each of these conflicts is right in it with yes. you. You are right there, whether it is the, the, uh, the duel and you're seeing Anthony straight up, or you're looking at Anthony and Simon back to back, or you're looking at the conflict within the ball. You're looking at all of these different, um, yeah, it's just so well shot that you didn't feel, you didn't feel like you were thrown plot to plot or whatever, right. but you still felt really involved in it. And that brings it back again to the pacing of it and the editing of it. Uh, the editing of it is important because when you're looking at the boxing match and you're seeing how the camera moves in and out and how it is a, it, it's an organic flow throughout each of these scenes. Um, the editing really serves the purpose of what we're trying to do to get all these stories as we have said to finally all relate to each other and come to a crescendo at this moment by the Mm -hmm. end when she says nope i'm not gonna get married i mean we're gonna get married and that's that i'm choosing my final question to you mary is the choice is this the choice that daphne makes to to go ahead and say yes we're getting married are you okay with her hand being forced or would you have rather for someone like Daphne who is showing agency in making these choices, would you rather it be her actual choice for the sake of love as opposed to I mean, expediency? Yeah, I wish that she could have married the Duke and have him just come out right and do a proper proposal and say, I love you, Daphne, and she say, I love you too, and they hold hands and then they have a grand old time. But sadly... That's not what happened for them. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we could have had this fairy tale Disney princess proposal. Yeah. No, but, but I, I don't. I don't mean that. I mean, like, you could. You could. She loves Simon. You could subvert that expectation, right? Because she's waiting for someone to propose to her, right? You could subvert that expectation 
I mean, they kind of do. Prince. The prince just proposed to her. Well, he was trying to propose to her. Yeah, but we know that he was proposing because of Anthony. Right. So that's why I'm saying, like, she loves Simon and she's willing to tell him, like, no, we're going to get married, even though you can't give me children. I think my my ultimate gripe is the fact of the matter is that she her hand is forced. She yeah. doesn't necessarily make a choice for Simon in spite of or despite. No, rather. it's upholding her name. Yeah, and I wish she made that choice and she subverted our expectation by saying, Simon, I love you. Will you marry me? As opposed oh. to, we're getting married. And we're getting married because Lady Cowper is going to go talk. Well, he's just talked all this bad stuff about her. Doesn't matter. No. She was not going to put her heart out there and say, I love you so much, please marry me. And then have him spit on it again. There, there's also one other bad thing that I noticed Um the, the CGI of when they're riding the horses uh, and they're, they're doing close-ups on their face. Of course you did. Oh, man. It's like a green screen. It's my supplementary bad, I have to say. Other than that, though, this was so, so far the best episode of Agreed. this season. Uh, the best episode. Anything else you want to say about this? No. By, by the way, I got my mouse back, which mm-hmm. is really good. Took like a long time. Like, what glad. are we doing? I know. Um, okay. So, uh, ready for Lady Whistledown power rankings? Yes. Let's do it. off Blake. All right, so my power rankings of course we're doing the top 3 people we think that is actually Lady Whistletown. Uh and of these this is an evolving thing. This these these are developing takes, ladies and gentlemen. We are not take cornered when it comes yes. to these things. Uh so I'll start off with my number 3. Okay. The Queen's servant. I'm still I'm still in on him. Oh, I so dig him. I'm still in on yes. him being Lady Whistletown cuz he's he's, he's still the there. servant but He's got enough stature, and he's in the know on, of all of these things, and he knows all the tea. And he, and I'm sure he does have enough time to sit down and write these bad boys right at night, because mm-hmm. he's he's got the financial, mm-hmm. the financial uh, wherewithal wherewithal to do it. Yeah. The, my dark horse candidate has moved up a spot. Okay. Penelope. Yes. Something about this thing with Marina and Colin and. This whole deal that's going down, uh-huh. it just screams Lady Whistledown to me. And I feel like Penelope, my dark horse. Okay. I'm calling it right now. She's my dark horse. Yeah. She's Lady Whistledown. She's my number two candidate. But my number one candidate, still. <laughs> I'm going to call everybody so that I can get a ding <laughs> So no I'm going to be right what. no matter yeah. what. My number one candidate is Benedict. Ooh. Yep, he's moved up. He's okay. moved up a notch. So Benedict is number one. My dark horse has moved up number one uh, to number two. Okay. So. So is she still a dark horse if she's number two? Yes, she's still a dark horse. Why? Because you've ne- listed her every single week. It doesn't sound like she's a dark horse. No, no, she is because you, you don't think that it's gonna be her. I mean, you just said Benedict and the Queen's servant. I don't know who we're expected to think it's gonna be. Well, I, I'm just. It's got to be someone that you know. It can't be just like some jabroni that's in the, that's out of nowhere. Okay. And, and like as much as um, I want it to be, uh, who, who's the voiceover lady? Julie Andrews. Yeah, Julie, as much as I really want it to be Julie Andrews, like like she just shows up, it's not her. It's got to be someone okay. that we know. Okay. All right. What's your top three? All right. So I've got a new one. Cressida. Really? Blonde braid. She's always there. 
And she's got nothing better to do right now except gossip, and you know she gossips. That is excellent. Right? Excellent. I like that. And to be putting in all this stuff like, oh, Daphne's caught the eye of the prince, but like... Is the yeah. Duke still there? You know, like Ooh, fanning that fire. This is a good. She's got the the financial wherewithal yep. to do it, yep. and she's got the time. Yep. Ooh, Mary. Yeah. Oh, Mary. I'm gonna. Yep. It's me wanna shop. Push two different buttons there. I did. <laughs> My next one. Cressida's mom. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Is she a widow? Because Eloise was saying like it should be a widow. Yeah. So I still like Lady Danbury for my number three. Okay. All right. So Cressida's number one. Cressida's mom's number, number two. two. And then Lady Danbury for yes. number three. Okay. All right. I, I'll get on board with that. I'll Thanks. get on board with that. Uh, all right. You ready for a scribbling prediction? I am. All right. Let's do it. Do you have one first? No. I do. So, there's a conversation uh, between Lady Featherington and Marina about Lord Rutledge, the person you know that Lord she's Rutledge, trying, the old guy, yeah, the old guy that she's trying to you know get Marina to marry. Yes, uh, and I slightly uncomfortable when Lord Rutledge was like, "Let me see your teeth." Like that is. I mean, I feel mm-hmm. like that's a totally worthy question to ask when you're in England at yeah. that time frame. From what I've seen of other fictional movies uh yes uh in that time frame people have crazy teeth um but part of the underlying current there and i'm not even sure if this was really in that the intent was there but like that was a big question that a slave owner would ask to really to, yeah to to buy slate like let me see your teeth let me see the quality of your teeth oh gosh yeah so like Okay, I, I did I, not know that, so that is not why. I and I'm not saying okay that was that. what it was about, but that is, you know, that's that's truth. That's a I'm matter just of seeing fact. all the chaps be like, "Hey, right." So anyway, um, bangers and mosh, and she, and she, the Lady Featherington is saying this uh, about Lord Rutledge being like, "Listen, you got to marry this guy because he doesn't care. He just needs an heir." He needs somebody, and it doesn't matter if you're pregnant or whatever. Once you have that baby, that baby is his. That's it. Yeah. And the, the paternal father, whoever it is, it doesn't matter. Whoever is the actual, like whoever it becomes the, mm-hmm. the, the person who is the, the sire doesn't matter. It really is whoever is taking in yeah. the heir, um, taking in the baby becomes, becomes the father. And part of me, and, and, and knowing the conversation that Lady Featherington had with Marina about like, listen, once you get pregnant, a lot of the times, the people that you're with um, don't want to continue to be with you. And naturally, she does forge that letter, and yes. she does, you know, take away uh, the the love aspect for Marina. Uh, and I, because Lady Featherington's view on the situation is so cynical, and because she is so aware of what it would take for Marina to have a legitimate marriage to someone who wouldn't care that the baby is not his, but is yet is still provided with an heir. I just wonder if it's further proof that one of the Featherington kids is not um, Lord Fishing Bones. Yeah. I just, I just wonder if it's further proof. Like she is so intense. She knows that. Yeah. 
she knows the deal. And part of like the him being so aloof is I wonder if he actually really loves Lady Featherington. And if it's just a, if it was just a matter of convenience for the, for them to be married and he's just kind of doing his own thing and Mm -hmm. she's doing her own thing. And, um, and that's it. Like, I wonder if that is part of what is happening here. And that's why she's so knowledgeable about the situation. That is some deep stuff, Blake. That is a deep cut. I yes. totally agree. All right, you ready to close this bad boy out? Yes, I am. Let's do I'm it, ready to go watch the next episode. I know, right? Let's do it. through season one of Bridgerton on Netflix. So incredibly excited. You guys have listened along to these episodes. Honestly, it means so very much to us. And as Blake said, we are now the top Bridgerton podcast on Apple Podcasts. So keep those reviews coming in. Keep those downloads. Make sure you share it with your friends. Let people know. Either you screenshot your phone when you're listening and you can put it in your stories on Instagram or Facebook. You could share the podcast itself and even shout Blake and I out by just tagging us at Marion Blake or Marion Blake Media. If you're on Instagram, we are so incredibly thankful for you listening and tuning in. Yes, thank you so much. And make sure you do go to jointhenerdclan.com. We've had an explosion of members since we've created the Bridgerton podcast with Marion Blake. And I would love to continue that going. Uh, because there's so many great things that you have there, whether it is the community aspect of it or is the multiple uh, premium podcasts and bonus episodes that we're doing, especially as we come back into the This Is Us season on January 5th. Uh, There's a lot happening there. Uh, You get access to our show notes, early access to these podcasts, uh, any podcasts that we do. Uh, and there are a lot of them. And you get Blake's Book Club that we uh, in- analyze um, uh, Outlander books, but also uh, I analyzed Midnight Sun, the latest release of from uh, the, <laughs> the Twilight, Twilight author, yep. Stephanie Meyer. Uh, there's a lot of stuff happening there. So go to jointhenerdclan.com, become a member, an official nerd, and you'll uh, have a lot of fun over there. That's right. As for now, ladies and gents, my name's Mary Larson. My name's Blake. And go out there and get some more tea. a girl! All right! She continued it. Especially after our last debate. (laughs) Not happy about it. Still not happy about it. That's my girl. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.